0: Location, location, location. We've all heard the old mantra about what's important when it comes to real estate. Hannes van Rensburg, chief commercial officer at Clickatel, is this week's podcast guest. He joins us to talk about chat banking and the importance of location for banks and credit unions in their digital real estate. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the Managing Editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. When a bank or credit union is thinking about where to open a branch, at or near the top of the list of considerations is, will this location be good for connecting with our customers? Our guest on this week's B.A.I. Banking Strategies podcast is Hannes van Rensburg, Chief Commercial Officer at Clickatel. He'll be making the case that chat banking follows the same line of thinking for banks trying to connect with their customers digitally. So Hannes, thanks for making the time to be with us.
1: Hi, Terry. Really nice to be here. I have had many interactions with B.A.I. over, I would say, the decades. It ages me a little bit, and it's really nice to be here with you today.
0: Hannes, let's start at a a logical starting point. What is chat banking? And can you give us a general overview of how it works?
1: Yeah, it's important to really zoom into this and define it very clearly. Chat banking is the ability of a bank to interact with their customers through chat applications on mobile phones. It's important to distinguish it from conversational banking, which is web or browser based. This is specifically focused on using multiple chat applications on mobile phones, and it allows banks to interact with their customers in a very secure way so that they could actually offer all the services that they would typically do in a digital channel.
0: We already have online banking and we already have mobile banking apps. That the banks have put a lot of effort and money into creating and improving and getting people to adopt. So what's the elevator pitch for chat banking as being superior to the existing ways that people bank digitally? So we'll, we'll pretend we're in a really tall building with a fairly slow elevator so you don't have to rush this pitch too much.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, look, The ways that banks interact with customers today is great, right? And this is not to say that those things will go away or that they're not important and so forth. But uh, in the same way that banks need to have multiple channels to get their customers, ATMs, internet banking, banking apps on mobile devices, it's important to understand that their customers, or at least a big segment of their customers, don't always have access to these channels. They, for instance, don't like to download lots of mobile apps. You know, they don't necessarily have access to to a browser. And what they are doing is they are interacting with each other through chat applications, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, Apple iMessage, and that's where they are. And it makes a lot of sense for banks to go where their customers are. That's the primary reason. It's what customers, where they are, what they feel comfortable with, what they're used to using, and therefore they would interact with their banks more efficiently and more comfortably.
0: We've all heard the statistics about how attached the younger generations are to their devices. The other day I saw a report from a few years ago saying that millennials and Gen Z are more likely to communicate with each other digitally than in person. And chat is the main way they do that. So chat banking is this essentially a demographics play going after the kids?
1: It's definitely that, but it's not just that. Uh, it is true that uh, you know I've seen some statistics where Generation Z and Millennials prefer to pay, or a big percentage of them actually pay bills by phoning a call center. And the reason for that is that they don't want to interact through mobile apps or the web, and so. Absolutely a play uh, like that as well. But, you know, there's all kinds of generations that use chat to communicate or, you know, let's say tweet, which is an element of that. And there's many examples of other communities that also use chat to communicate. So while it is essentially getting to millennials and Gen Z, it is not exclusively the case.
0: If I wanted to see chat banking in action today where would I look? And what would I see in terms of market adoption by consumers, impacts on banks, that sort of thing? In my background,
1: I've done a lot of work in mobile payments. And it's kind of acknowledged that mobile payments swept through emerging markets first before it became uh, generally accepted in in first world markets. And there's probably reasons why uh, some of these technologies start up in emerging markets. And it's the same with chat banking. Chat banking is quite prevalent in emerging markets. And so we have quite a lot of successful deployments of the technology in West Africa, in other markets as well. But we have seen significant gains and traction in West Africa, where we have banks that interacting with their customers through a chat interface, doing tens of millions of transactions. So I would go there to look at it and to see that the technology is actually working and it's secure. I mean, sometimes people say tongue in the cheek is if uh, I can deploy a secure banking solution in Nigeria, I could probably secure it anywhere else in the world.
0: What's the status of getting chat banking up and running in the U.S.? and what are some of the lessons that you're learning in West Africa, in Nigeria, and other places that you're applying here, that we'll be seeing here? Right. That's
1: a very good question. Well, the first thing is that we see West Africa and Nigeria almost as, as a kind of a laboratory, right? It's important to for software and technology to be able to have mature software that can process millions of transactions that's secure, that's tested and so forth. And it's a great environment for us to do that with our software. And so we have proven software that's able to process millions of transactions and do it in a secure way with high availability. But we also recognize, and we know that in the US is a marketplace which is governed by very strict regulations where there's uh, a lot of emphasis on privacy and uh, how you go about it with information. And that's very important to us, is to make sure that as we deploy these solutions, that it actually conforms, that it is compliant, that it wouldn't put any bank or any supplier at risk in terms of going to market. And therefore, we are spending a lot of time to make sure that is the case in the U.S. And therefore, the launch of chat banking in the U.S. would be incremental. And so there's already services available, which is more of a support nature. There's some rudimentary chat payment solutions available where you would be eating at a restaurant, for instance. And when you get your bill There's a QR code that you could scan with your phone and that would take you into a chat session or a messaging session where you could complete the transaction. So it's early days in the US. We will see it grow based on the experiences that we have in other markets, but also with a full appreciation of what it will take to do a compliant, robust solutions.
0: You mentioned the compliance. You mentioned concerns about privacy. Are there other hurdles that chat banking has to get over to be available and to be adopted by U.S. customers?
1: There's a big difference by chat banking being adopted by banks and bank service providers and payment providers, which is all about compliance and making sure that it fits into the systems and the approaches that banks use and for consumers to use it, right? So the adoption of consumers is uh, obviously a function of how well it gets promoted, how easy it is to understand, uh, and how comfortable customers and consumers are going to be to use it. And the take-up of that is going to be dictated by how well it gets promoted. I think the current situation that we live in at the moment, which is remote and so forth, creates an ideal opportunity to promote and show the benefit of being able to interact with your bank through a chat channel.
0: That's a good point here. And and this digital acceleration that we're seeing as a result of COVID and branches being largely sidelined for almost a year now, all of that disruption to banking that we knew pre-pandemic, before we all were kind of in our isolation, what impact is that having on the idea of chat banking and is it the same basic forces that are driving the rest of this digital acceleration that we're seeing yeah no absolutely
1: i mean there's a lot of things that in the past year it crept on us we almost didn't know it become part of the way that we do things i can't remember that curbside pickup was something that i spoke about in 2019 it's kind of a new thing if you think about all that behavior it is based on a necessity to be able to interact with suppliers and banks and payment providers uh, remotely let's just take curbside pickup as an example there's a lot of need to pay to ensure that i do get the goods if the goods are not what i think it was supposed to be how do i reverse the payment how do i check whether the payment has been done and so all those things are features or needs that didn't exist pre-COVID. And that's just one example. And so there's a big awareness for the need of interacting with banking customers by banks, by both banks and payment processors in a more efficient post-COVID way that is trusted and secure and easy to use. We do see that there's a lot of our interactions and a lot of the discussions that we have with institutions is about, hey, how do we use this chat capability to deliver services in a post-COVID world?
0: So once chat banking is available in the U.S., how do you envision people using it? What are they going to use it for? I mean, there are a lot of things that I can do on my bank's mobile app now, but in reality, I only do a limited number of things. So what do you see as some of the early use cases for chat banking? You mentioned QR codes before. Maybe that's a good place to start.
1: Yeah, so there's quite a few. Let me maybe break it down into two areas. The first is just support functions that would have taken a call center or a very cumbersome process that you could do with chat banking. An example would be to activate, and we have that technology being ready for production deployment. So to activate a card. Today, if you receive a new card, there's a number that you could phone, a call center number, or you could go onto a browser and then go through some steps to activate the card, right? We're all used to that. We've used it before and so forth. But both of those are a little bit cumbersome because you're not always close to a browser and a call center interaction, of course, is uh, relatively expensive. The way that you could do it that we do it with chat banking is that there's a qr code printed on the documentation you merely scan the qr code it takes you into a chat session where it asks for some security information you know the last four digits of your social security number or what or the card number or the expiry date whatever is appropriate for the financial institution and that information is exchanged in a secure way and hey presto your card is activated. So that would be an example of a support function. But we do see, and we are working with some institutions in the US to bring to market the ability to do remote payments. How many times do we go through a process where we say, let me just quickly pay you. And of course there's applications today like Venmo and some of the the transactions that you can do through your banking apps where I can just send money to somebody. And while there's a big penetration of that, it's still very cumbersome and difficult. And in the end, often we just revert to our trusted paper checks. Let me just give you a check. With chat, because I'm used to chatting with you and I may even have had an interaction with the supplier, let's say, through a chat interface, we think that there's huge opportunity to actually encapsulate payments, account transfer, credit card payments and so forth, inside of chat interactions. And that is where we think there will be a big surge of usage in the US.
0: You've mentioned security a couple of times. So let's circle back to that. You've talked about the security level for chat banking, but how does it compare to other forms of digital banking that we do security-wise?
1: That could be an interesting debate, and I'm sure there might be people that would want to debate with me, but you know, we would like to make the, the statement that chat banking can be the most secure way that bank interacts with their customer. In chat banking, we have all the capabilities that we have in other channels to securely capture user IDs, passwords, etc. We also have the ability to deal channel security for instance, distribution of an OTP that get captured in the chat environment. So all the usual chat capabilities, uh, security capabilities available in chat. And it's in most of these applications, the information is secured and fully encrypted from from the device to the host. But there is another element of security that is inherently built into chat. And it is the fact that there's a lot of, behavioral data that a bank can capture through a chat interaction. How quickly do you respond? How verbose? How long are the messages that you produce in your chat session? Are there specific words that you use frequently and so forth? So that a bank could start using the data not to sell stuff to you, which in some ways irritates all of us. That's what data is being used for, but to secure the interaction between the bank and you. It's like the bank digitally knows that it's you based on your behavior. It's almost biometric security in a way, one could think about it. And we think that consumers would really over time prefer this channel because they would understand that the bank knows them. If somebody else were to impersonate them or trying to do a fraudulent transaction on their behalf, even if they cracked all the other security, then the bank would still get suspicious about the behavior based on the data that they've captured and uh, could take appropriate action. So the security based on the volume of data we think is much higher, and we think that customers would embrace that, appreciate, and understand it much better than other channels.
0: When you think about the crawl, walk, run continuum – Chat banking, it sounds like, is still in the crawling stages at this point in the U.S. But let's look further down the road when it's past the early adopters and moves into the mainstream. Can you see chat banking essentially making the mobile banking app obsolete? And I'm talking about in the real world, not just in your wildest dreams. (laughs) Well, I think mobile
1: apps per se will become obsolete in terms of behavior. We're already seeing it. There's very few people that we all have lots of apps that we've downloaded, but, you know, there's apps that's on our phones that we never touch. We can't even find them. And even if we open them up, we just have difficulty remembering the password or how to use it and so forth. And so there's in a lot of documentation and research that shows that most consumers suffer from app fatigue and they just have a few favorite apps that they use all the time. And and almost always one of their favorite apps is an app where they can chat. And so we think it's inevitable that consumers will expect to find banks and other suppliers in their address book and they would want to chat with them. And I don't know how quickly that will happen. We all have made predictions in the past and sometimes have been right and so forth and how quickly that will happen, but I think it's inevitable that customers will expect to find businesses that they interact with in their favorite chat applications.
0: Well, you're on the record now, though you have done a pretty good job of giving yourself some wiggle room on the timing. So Hannes van Rensberg from Clickatel, we appreciate you getting together with us and sharing your vision for chat banking on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Thank you, Terry. A few quick takeaways from our conversation with Hannes van Rensburg from Clickatel. First, retailers seek to locate in popular shopping areas because that's the best place to connect with their customers. The same logic may apply to chat banking. Messaging apps dominate the list of the most popular apps, so it may well be the best place for financial services providers to connect with their customers. The younger generations are especially into the whole chat thing, but Hannes says boomers and Gen Xers are also chat banking targets. Future success for those doing the targeting depends on adoption by both institutions and individuals. For the financial providers, there's the potentially high hurdle of winning acceptance by compliance and risk managers, along with ensuring the fit with IT and operations. On the customer side, finding that comfort level with doing their banking via a chat app means trusting that the transactions will be private and secure. And finally, we're very early in the rollout of chat banking in the US and the timeline for seeing widespread use is still taking shape. The almost instant adoption seen in some parts of the developing world are unlikely here, but chat banking evangelists have reason to be optimistic. One is the COVID-related acceleration of digital banking overall, while another is increasing app fatigue that has users resisting new apps and focusing on their favorites. Thanks for being with us for this week's episode of the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor of AI. Please join us again next week for another short but informative conversation on an issue of importance to financial services.